First question says, if con controlled by the substance, food, smoking, etc., and know that you should be controlled by the spirit, but the body mind is weak, what steps should be taken? Okay, I think I got the idea of that, okay? So I believe what this person is asking is this. We know and understand that we should be controlled by the Spirit of God and the Spirit of God alone. We should not be controlled by food. We should not be controlled by drugs. We should not be controlled by anything else but the Spirit of God. However, what do we do when we are weak? What do we do when we're vulnerable? What do we do when, as many will quote, but they quote it uh, wrongly, I believe, when the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Okay? And this is one of the uh, scriptures we like to quote whenever we like to sin. Okay? Whenever we find ourselves in a predicament and, and we want to give ourselves into the sin, we will quote that scripture. Well, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak, so let me go ahead and do it. Yes, God is gracious. Yes, God is merciful. Yes, God is loving and kind. And God will forgive you of any and every sin. There's only one unpardonable sin, one sin that cannot be forgiven, to blaspheme the Holy Spirit or to reject the working of the Spirit. God cannot forgive that. But every other sin, yes, God can, God does, and God will forgive you. But while God will forgive you of the sin, he doesn't necessarily forgive you of the consequence of the sin. Remember the thief on the cross. He said, today you will be with me in paradise, but he didn't take him off the cross. He still was up there for the crimes that he committed. So while he was forgiven of all of his sin, he was not forgiven of the consequences of his sin. Look, I can decide to cheat on my wife and be forgiven of that sin. But that doesn't mean I'll be forgiven of the consequences. I can lose my wife, I can lose my children, I can lose my church, I can lose my, my home and, and my livelihood and everything else. God can forgive me for the sin, but that doesn't mean that I don't have to face the consequences of it. And that's what we have to keep in mind when we are vulnerable, when we are weak, when we are tempted and tested at times to allow other things other than the Holy Spirit control us. We have to think of what is the end result. Yeah, it feels good now. Yeah, it tastes good now. Yeah, it looks good now. But what is it going to lead to later? And when you think of what you have, and when you think of what you have to lose, and when you think of how good God has been to you, then you ought to be willing to let that go. Again, give you the analogy of the stool of your mind, only one thought can occupy it at a time. So remove that thought of allowing that control substance to control you and begin to meditate on Christ again. Begin to meditate on God again. Begin to meditate on his goodness, on his faithfulness, what he has done for you, what he has given you, and all that you have to lose. This is what, uh, who was it, Joseph did. This is what Joseph did when Potiphar's wife came on to him and tried to entice him to sleep with her. He says, look, your husband, my boss, has been good to me. <laughs> he has made me ruler over his house, given me authority over his house. How can I repay good with evil? 
Joseph begins to recall what he has and also what he has to lose. He recalls the goodness of his master, how his master has been to him. And he says, how can I do this great sin against God? So I believe the way you overcome a moment of weakness is by not dwelling on that thought. And we're going to talk a lot about that when we get into the mind called lust. There's a lot of things we lust for in this life. And when we get to that particular topic, we're going to talk a little bit about that more. Whatever you dwell on, whatever you meditate on, that's what you're going to be drawn to. In coaching, we used to tell the players, uh, don't fumble the ball. Don't fumble the ball. So what are they going to do? (laughs) Fumble the ball. (laughs) That's what you've drilled into their head. No, tell them, no, hold on to the ball. Hold on to the ball with two hands. Grip that ball twice so that that is what they're going to do. So if all you're doing is thinking about sin, don't sin, don't sin, don't give in to that, don't go there, don't do that, don't put that in your body. If that's all you're dwelling on, guess what? That's what you're going to do. No, change the object of what you're thinking about. Think about the goodness of God. Think about what God has given you. Think about what you have, what you have to lose. Think about the consequences of that. And I believe when you're in that situation, you just simply change your mind from thinking of that controlled substance to thinking of the things of God. God will give you the power to overcome those uh, temptations. Amen? Any other questions? Got another one? All right, this one says, what we are experiencing and seeing now, coronavirus, death, hatred, food shortage, Uh, fulfill signs of the last days or the end times, okay? So is this pandemic that we are in right now a fulfillment of end time prophecy? Well, it could be. (laughs) It could be. And the reason why we say it could be is because we know in Matthew 24, Jesus gave us what to look for. Even though he said, no man knows the day nor the hour of my return, he did give us signs of his return or different things that we can look for along the way. We we talked about this when we started the second half of the book of Daniel on prophecy, the road markers. Before we had GPS and Google Maps and all that, you would have to rely on people giving you road markers, you know. There's a Walmart up the road, then you're going to go over some railroad tracks and there will be a blue house to your right. You will look for those markers and know, okay, I'm getting closer and closer and closer to my destination. Well, Jesus did the same thing. He says, even though you don't know the day or the hour of my return, let me give you some road markers. There will be wars and rumors of wars. There will be earthquakes, there will be famines, and there will be pestilences. Pestilences are plagues or diseases. God says this is one of the signs that will come where you will know that the end is drawing near. But the question that people usually have or they come back with is this. They say, well, wait a minute, we've always had those things. We've always had wars and rumors of wars and earthquakes and famines and pestilences and all kinds of things. We've always had those things. Yes, that is true. But Jesus and Paul also describe this time as having birth pains. He calls it the beginning of sorrows. Okay, These are birth pains. And if you've ever been pregnant or if you've ever been around somebody pregnant, 
you know what happens and takes place once you get closer and closer and closer to the due date. The contractions you have, they will become more frequent and more intense. More frequent and more intense. As a matter of fact, you know, my wife, when our first pregnancy, she had what is called Braxton Hicks, right? Is that how you say it, Braxton Hicks? She was feeling contractions, so we went to the hospital. They said, no, not time yet. <laughs> yeah, that's going to happen. From time to time, every now and then, you're going to get these contractions, but it's not time yet. Once they become more frequent and more intense, then you come in because <laughs> it's almost there. So we've always had these things, but if they become more frequent and more intensified, like this one, never in our lifetime have we seen something like this. One single event that has affected the entire world and has messed up so many industries and systems, we haven't seen this in our lifetime. So this is definitely more intense than we've seen, at least in our lifetime. But is it going to now become more frequent? Is there something waiting on the other side of this that is going to happen and cause this thing to go rapidly into the return of Christ? Not on earth. Remember what we said. He first comes in the air to call his church up to himself. And then when the seven-year peace treaty is signed, that will begin the last seven years of uh, time on earth before Jesus comes back as the king that he is. So is this a fulfillment of end-time prophecy? It could be. It could be. We just simply have to wait and see. But whether, whether it is or it isn't, as we preach today, be sober-minded. Be ready, stay ready, and get as many other people ready as you possibly can. Because I would rather believe that this is the fulfillment of end times and Jesus is on his way and be ready for him than believe that it's not the fulfillment of end time prophecy. Jesus is not on his way, but he comes and I'm not ready for him. So whether it is or isn't, I believe we need to be ready, stay ready, and ready as many people as we possibly can. Those are all the questions. One last one. Okay, what do we got? Okay, in reference to the first question. Does the consequence affect your rewards in heaven? Great question. We may get a little bit into this on Sunday morning when we further our discussion on the 70th week of Daniel because what a lot of people like to know uh, about is during this seven year period, this seven year tribulation, what are we going to be doing? <laughs> I mean, the church has been raptured. We're in heaven with Jesus. And so while this seven years on earth is going on, what are we going to be doing? Well, we believe this is one of the things that's going to be going on for those seven years. The reward ceremony. The reward ceremony is found in, in, in the book of Corinthians where Paul talks about God taking all the things that we have done and placing it on his altar and then setting fire to it. Okay, And Paul admonishes us to make sure what he sets on that altar is gold, silver, and precious stone, not wood, hay, and stubble. In other words, you want to set on this altar what is refined by fire and not, as, not what's destroyed by fire. So that when the fire goes out, you will have something left and you will be rewarded accordingly. That is what scripture says. Okay? 
So how does our moment of weakness play a role or play a part in our rewards? Well, I believe our reward will be based on two things. Okay? I believe our reward that we're going to receive in heaven for, for our works are based on two things. Our obedience and our faithfulness. Okay? Our obedience and our faithfulness. You are not to compare your life with any other Christian. You're not to compare your church with any other church. You're not to compare your life with anything or anybody else because you are running this race against you. God is simply going to judge you based on how faithful you were and how obedient you were to do what he called and and purposed you to do. And whatever he called and purposed you to do, how faithful you are and how obedient you are to do that for his honor, for his glory, that is what's going to be set there. So anything else that takes away from that, it will simply take away from what you are being placed, what you are placing on that altar. So again, let's use the uh, example again. I have an affair, cheat on my wife. I'm forgiven of, of that sin. If I repent, confess my sin, go to the Lord, I'm forgiven of that sin. I may have to face consequences now. And one of those consequences means I lose the church. I have to sit down. I'm no longer able to pastor or uh, shepherd this flock because of what I have done. Now I'm losing out on reward because all the time where I'm sitting out or sitting down because of my sin, I'm not able to work or fulfill the calling or the purpose of God in my life. So even if it's, say, a year that I sit down, and I get under somebody else, and I go to counseling, and I do all that. Well, within that year, think of all the things that I could have done that could have contributed to the glory of God and the advancement of his kingdom that I'm now not able to do. So I believe that may be one of the ways your reward may be affected or impacted by your decision to give in to sin or give in to a moment of weakness because it could halt what God wants to do in your life and through your life which would then affect all the things that you are able to bring to the altar of God because God says whatever is left after the fire is what you will be rewarded according to. So if you have a lot there, then you will be rewarded accordingly. If you have nothing there, you will be rewarded accordingly, which means God says you will suffer loss. So that may be one of the ways. There may be other ways where the choices or decisions we make to give in to our moments of weakness may impact our reward, but that may be one way most definitely. All right, is that it? That is it. Well, this is fun. Thank you all so much for watching. Thank you so much for participating, for asking questions. We look forward to doing this. We can't wait to do it again. So remember, this Sunday, we start Holy Week. Palm Sunday, and perhaps we'll bring into it Good Friday as well. You don't want to miss it. Tune in uh, to believechurch.cc. We will see you then. God bless you. Good night. Oh, let me let me bless you. Let me pray for you before we dismiss. Wherever you are, extend your hands to heaven. Receive the blessing and the benediction of the Lord. God, we thank you so much again for blessing us with this time to gather and meet in your name, even if it's through the airwaves. 
And we pray right now at this time, God, as your word has gone out, as your spirit has been working in the hearts and minds of your people, we pray that it has impacted us in such a way that we all now are changed for the better. And so now we can go out into this lost and dying world and be used by you to bring change to others. So we pray, God, as we prepare to leave this broadcast in this place, may we never leave the truth that we have heard and learned here today. May it go before us and do all that you've planned and purposed it to do for our good and for your glory. These things we ask and pray in Jesus' precious and holy name. And all of God's people said together, amen. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you next time.